Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. I'm going to share with you a few things this morning. I had some stuff in my heart today that I'm excited to share with you about. Last week, you know, we talked about... um, We talked about being hungry for God and hungering for more of the things of God. And how many of you were challenged by that message or encouraged by that message to to move forward and to grow, to intentionally make the decision, I'm going to seek God and go after the Lord no matter what it costs me. Amen? Um, So I want to continue a little bit in that lane but with a slight deviation. I've been thinking a lot this, this week about the anointing and about what we, you know, we use certain Christianese terms that we use and anointing is one of them. And it's not necessarily a, a phrase that anybody outside of Christian people use or understand. Have you heard the word anointing before? And your, your unsaved neighbor has probably heard it too, but has no idea what it is. And so I wanted to talk a little bit in our, in our pursuit of, of God in our pursuit of wanting to walk closer to the Lord, we, uh, we come in contact with something called the anointing. And I want us to talk about that just a little bit this morning. Uh, and we won't take too long, okay? But you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 10. And also we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. But we'll begin in Isaiah 10 and 1 John 2. This is such a powerful, powerful verse. As you're turning, let's go ahead and make our confession of faith that we like to make together. You'll see it up there on the screen if you're watching on television or on on television. If you're watching on Facebook or over the internet on the stream, you'll see this on your screen as well. Let's go ahead and read it out loud and declare it out loud together by faith. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We're growing in the things of God today. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we approach the word of God today. Father, we thank you that the Bible says the entrance of your word brings light. We thank you that your word is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh, the Bible says. We thank you that your word is immutable, it's unchangeable, it's constant, it's consistent, it's reliable. We put our trust in your word this morning, Lord, that what your word will do when it comes into our hearts and minds is it will clear confusion. It will, it will clear the cobwebs and the clutter of thoughts that the world tries to unload upon us day in and day out. We thank you that your word cuts through all of that like a hot knife through butter, Lord. Your word comes and finds access and entrance into our hearts. We thank you this morning for your word. And we honor you. We receive, we purpose to receive from your word this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And let everybody say amen. Amen and amen. Isaiah chapter 10, and we're going, to be, we're going to be reading from verse 27. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. 
And it says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Let me read that to you one more time. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, hold your finger there because we're going to come back, but jump over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 20 says, But you have an anointing. Everybody say, I have an anointing. Say it again. Say, I have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. So in Isaiah chapter 10, the Bible's indicating that there is some yoke that's going to be destroyed, some burden that's going to be removed, and the reason for that is because there's something called the anointing. And then when we flip over to John, 1 John chapter 2, we find out that we have something called an anointing from the Holy One. If you go to Acts chapter 10, maybe we'll turn there in just a few minutes, but I'll just quote it for now. Uh, Peter's preaching to Cornelius in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, and he says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for the Lord was with him. So let, let's just compound all of this for just a second. We've just looked at three different scriptures, or talk, at least talked about three different scriptures that talk about something called the anointing. There's a yoke that's destroyed, a burden that's removed because of the anointing. We've been given an anointing from the Holy One, and that causes us to know things and understand. And Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, and it caused him to do good and heal all who were oppressed of the devil. We quoted it during Hope and Healing a couple weeks ago. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You see, this thing called the anointing is significant and it's life-changing. And if it's available, I want some and I want to know more about it, don't you? Amen. You know, I started to, to do some research Years ago, I wanted to understand more about this subject of the anointing and this word. Because, you know, you grow up in church and you hear words like this thrown around. And if you're not careful, you'll never learn what they mean. Right? How many of you grew up in a church? Just show of hands. You grew up in a church. Now, if, if you grew up in a church and you're like me, you probably heard anointing used a lot to talk about Jesus or to talk about someone else. And maybe it made sense to you. Maybe it didn't make any sense at all. Maybe it just sounded like some random word. Like justification, righteousness, 
you know, you start getting around theological words, they get longer, right? Yeah, heavier. That's right. Brian said they get heavier. Jurisprudence. How many of you ever heard the word jurisprudence? You know, you read these biblical words and you're like, I don't know what the heck that means. What is anointing? What does it mean to be anointed? Well, if you look it up in, in its context and you look it up in the original language, the Hebrew and the Greek, you find out that the word anointing, are you ready for this, means to smear. Smear. You say, that sounds gross. It does. Yeah, it does. It sounds gross, doesn't it? How many of you have ever made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Most of us, right? What do you do when you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You get a knife, you get the peanut butter, and if you're smart, you get creamy peanut butter. Some people like crunchy, but we'll have a healing line for them at the end of the service. You get the, you get the creamy peanut butter, you dip that knife in there, and you take that hunk of peanut butter and you smear it on the bread, right? Now, if you're a communist, you only put a little bit on the bread and it's real thin, Right? But if you love Jesus and you love children, then you're going to put a lot on there. You're going to smear it. It's going to be thick. How many of you have ever bit into a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and there was like a solid layer of peanut butter and jelly on that bread? And you're like, yes, Lord, this is it. This is what I waited for. Hallelujah. That's right. (laughs) Amen. You see the anointing. You just feel the anointing just rise as you talk about peanut butter. No, if you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you are smearing that peanut butter. You are applying, if you will, that peanut butter to the bread. And, and how many of you know, when you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you don't just apply it to the middle of the bread. You don't just apply it to one side or, you know, smear it down the middle but leave the corners empty. That would be weird. Right? No, you take that peanut butter and you smear that whole piece of bread, and you load it good. When the Bible talks about us being anointed with the Holy Spirit, it's not talking about you get a little dose of God, this little tiny bit that just touches the tip of your finger, and that's all of Jesus that you need. When the Bible talks about you and I being anointed, it's talking about us being literally saturated and smeared over with the presence of God so that every part of us gets covered by who he is. And that, my friends, is where transformation comes from. That's where life comes from. Jesus said, I am anointed. The Spirit of God is upon me because God has anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, Set at liberty those who are oppressed. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. God put his power and his presence on the life of Jesus and smeared him with the power of the Holy Ghost. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll find out he did that to everybody that would receive it. It wasn't just reserved for Jesus. Everybody who wants the Holy Spirit has access to him. Everybody who wants the anointing in their life can receive the anointing. Amen? And you find out if you look through the scripture, every time somebody got anointed, they started doing some great exploits for God. Isn't that amazing? When David was anointed king, he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. You remember the story. David's in the, out in the fields 
tending his father's sheep. God tells the prophet Samuel, go down to Jesse's house. Jesse was David's father. Go down to Jesse's house because the next king of Israel is coming out of Jesse's house. Go down there and anoint him. And so you remember the story. Samuel gets there. He's got his horn of oil. Imagine that for a second, a horn of oil, like an actual animal's horn. It was probably long. We don't know exactly what kind. Of, I don't know what kind of horn it was. It might have been a sheep's horn. It could have been a, a bull's horn. I don't know. But it was probably pretty big, and it was filled. If you ever look down the inside of a horn, it's hollow. And it was filled with oil. And so Samuel now has to go stand in front of David's sons and anoint the next king of Israel. And he's got this horn filled with oil. And he gets up to the first brother, the tallest, the firstborn, the strongest. Probably looked a lot like Jeff. You know, tall, strong. And, and, and Samuel says, okay, this is certainly the one. This is certainly the, the one who's going to be anointed king. And God says, no, that's not him. My, my, my spirit's not on him to be king. So Samuel looks at Jesse and said, you got any other sons? And he says, yeah. So he calls the next son in. Turns out there was seven of them. And he goes down the whole line. Each time he looks at a new son, and, uh, you know, he says, God, is this the one that's anointed king? God says, no. Finally, they get to the end of the line, and God says, none of these guys are supposed to be king. And so Samuel's kind of frustrated, turns and looks at Jesse, says, do you have any other sons? And he says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> That's when you know you got too many kids. <laughs> yeah, oh, shoot, we forgot Dave. <laughs> Old Dave. Yeah, he's out in the field tending the sheep right now. Somebody run and get David. Certainly he can't be the one. And here comes David, youngest of the group, small looking insignificant, cleaning up sheep poop on the backside of the desert, doing the job nobody wanted to do. What does God say? That's the one. That's the one I selected. So what, what happened when God made his selection of who David was to be, of who the next king was to be? Samuel took that big old horn of oil and dumped the whole thing on David saturated him, smeared him with oil. Guys, what is this a picture of? It's a picture of you and me. When we receive Jesus and when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when God comes upon us with his anointing, he smears us from the top to the bottom. Amen. Come on, he smears us from the top to the bottom. He gives us everything we need and some. David, man, was greasy. He was. David was saturated with the anointing. He had been smeared. And the Bible says that this idea of the anointing, this concept of being head to toe covered with the anointing oil, it says in Isaiah 10 here that that is the thing that removes burdens from our shoulders and takes yokes from our neck and then destroys the yoke that was taken off of our neck. How many of you figured or you realized how the enemy works? Have you figured out how the enemy works? I can tell you, it's pretty easy. 
He just tries to discourage you. He just tries to put things in front of you. He just tries to put yokes and burdens on you to try to divert your course and to get you from taking your eyes off Jesus, okay? There is no victory for the devil. Let me just say that real quick, okay? I got up this morning and I was praying, thinking about the service, and I just told the Lord, Lord, I'm just, I just want to give the devil a headache this morning. I just want to frustrate him. I want to get up and preach and just frustrate the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And this is, the, this is the reminder that I got about the enemy. You know he's so defeated? Leslie believes. Amen. The devil is so defeated. There is no victory for him. There is no victory available to the enemy. I, I thought about this analogy. I don't know if you, any of you like racing in here or not. If you like, like NASCAR or Formula One or anything like that. But you know, on the last lap, the guy who's at the very end of the line knows he's not going to win, right? Last lap, he's way in the back. He's been lapped 342 times by the guy in the front. It's just, it's hopeless. If you're in the last lap and you're in the back, you ain't going to win. You're not even close. The only thing that you can do when you have lost a race is make it frustrating for other people on the track. So if you're a jerk and you're at the very end of the line, you're just trying to run people into the wall because you know you're not going to win. Maybe the best you can do is take points away from somebody else. Guys, that's the devil. It's the last lap. Time's short. Jesus coming back soon. He ain't going to win. He lost. There's no hope for him. There's no advantage for him. The best he can do is try to put you into a wall and make your life frustrating before the race is over and his time is done. There is no victory for the devil. You know, people say this kind of stuff, and he's like, well, you know, the devil's winning in my life. No, he's not. He's not winning in your life. He's just irritating you right now and trying to push you into a wall. But there's no victory for him. Even if he succeeded in frustrating you and keeping you pressed down and, you know, frustrated with life, even if he succeeded in that, he's still going to burn forever. There's no victory for the enemy. He's, lo he's a loser. Amen. Some of you need to really understand this because you're not excited enough about it. I'm telling you. You need to be reminded that there's no victory for the devil. He lives under your feet. He lives under my feet. He doesn't have a voice in your life. He doesn't get to bully you and push you around. You have authority in the name of Jesus to stand your ground and say, no, this doesn't get to happen in my life. Amen. Glory to God. Well, how do we do that? How do we see his yoke broken and destroyed? How do we see his burden lifted from us? The anointing. The answer is that God's anointing, when you're smeared with it, will remove yokes and destroy burdens. Amen. I love that it says here that the burden will be removed and the yoke will be destroyed. 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 What does a yoke do? Anybody know what a yoke does? These, that's right. It attaches you to something else. Most of us are probably not farmers or agricultural people, but 100 years ago, if you wanted to plow a field, you got two oxen or two horses or two donkeys or whatever, and you yoked the two of them together. It was this wooden contraption that went over the shoulders of two different beasts of burden, two animals, and they would... You know, the person would drive them from behind with reins and they would plow a field and they would walk 
200 yards and plow up a field and they turn around and come back and make rows in the grass or in the, in the, uh, in the soil. And the yoke was super important because the yoke is what kept the two oxen together. And so when the enemy is working in your life, what he is seeking to do is get you bound to him and walking with him instead of where you are really, which is bound to Christ, walking with Christ. Can you say amen? And the Bible says that the yoke of the anointing, or excuse me, the anointing of Jesus will come and destroy the yoke that is binding you to the enemy. You know, the devil's at fault for the things that are wrong in this world. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we talked about it a bunch this week. I was in my office, and uh, when, several days ago, when there was not just a couple, a little bit more than a mile from here, when shootings were happening, and crazy things were going on in our town, we have several people in our church that live in that neighborhood or have family that lives in that neighborhood. And it was a scary moment. And I was in my office at work, and one of the individuals that I work with said to me, man, what would possess somebody to do this? What would possess somebody to kill their, you know, kill their parents and then shoot two police officers and then kill themselves? What in the world would possess somebody to do that? The answer is real easy. The devil Jesus made it really simple for us to understand that in John chapter 10, verse 10, that it was the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you see theft, when you see destruction, when you see death, you need to immediately understand. Draw, draw a line in your mind and make the decision that I discern the difference between what God does and what the devil does. The devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Jesus came to give us life. How does he give us life? He smears us with his anointing. He puts his life inside of us and he puts his anointing and his power on us to make a difference in the lives of people. And when that happens, what happens? Yokes get snapped and broken. Burdens get removed. Things get destroyed that used to hold you back. Amen. Yeah. Glory to God. That's why I say that, the, that's why I've been harping on this a lot lately. The devil's so weak. He's so weak. Amen. He's weak. You hear how quiet it got in here? People struggle with that thought. People struggle with the notion and the idea that the devil's weak. They do. You know how you can tell? When I say the devil's weak, he gets real quiet, and everybody's like, I don't know. Should I say amen to that or not? I don't know if that's true. The devil's defeated. He has no power. He has no authority. He has no rights to anything. Wherever he goes, he's trespassing. He is going to go down in history as the world's biggest loser. He will be remembered for all time as the one who lost the only battle that he ever had to win. Amen. So I love reminding the devil that he's weak and powerless. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the yoke will be destroyed because there's an anointing that comes from heaven that removes bondage from our life. If you're bound to something this morning, if you're bound by fear, if you're bound by sickness, if you're bound by anxiety and fear, if you're bound by anything, you can be free this morning. You don't have to be bound. 
Amen. Amen. You don't have to be bound. Not another day in your life. You can live free. Hallelujah. You can live free. Now let's go back over to 1 John 2. And we'll close here today. Spend just a few more minutes talking about this. Y'all doing all right this morning? Amen. See, it's, it's nice for us to say, okay, the anointing's great. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. It destroys the yokes. That's real good. Praise God. But we need to be reminded that the anointing doesn't just live on Jesus, but the anointing lives and abides and works in us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. Let's read it again. John says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Isn't that amazing? You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Jump down to verse 26. These things I've written you concerning those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Wow. I mean, there's two times in the same chapter that God wanted you to realize that there's an anointing on your life. That if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, you're anointed by God. You're anointed by God to go into this world and see things changed. You're anointed by God to go into this community and see the community turned around. You're anointed by God to take the word of God and bring it into the situations of life where God has placed you. You're anointed to do it. Don't ever sell yourself short or stop short or think, you know, I don't know, man, maybe, I don't know, should I share Jesus with this person? I don't know, maybe they won't receive. I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Should I just, no, you're anointed to do that. Oh, should I pray for this person? They're really, man, they're really sick. They got a lot going on in their life right now. They've just sat here and opened up to me and told me all the problems that they're having. Should I go ahead and pray for them? Or should I wait for a lightning bolt from heaven to touch me before I'm ready to pray for them? No, you're anointed. You, the moment you got saved, you got smeared. Okay, then the moment you got saved, you got anointed from, from, from God. You got the power of God working in your life. Go ahead and be bold with what God has given you. Amen. Go ahead and be bold with the thing that God has given you, his anointing. Amen. You've got it. You don't have to work yourself up to try to get anointed. Amen. You don't have to try to crank it up to get anointed. It's not an emotion. You know, too, too much of what we experience in church culture today is just nothing more than a bunch of hyped up emotions. Amen. We work so hard to make the atmosphere just right for God to move. Like God couldn't do it without, you know, a sound system. Like Jesus couldn't, you know, the spirit of God couldn't actually show up in church if there wasn't a fog machine. Give me a break. Jesus walked on water. Hello? Peter and John, Acts chapter 3, they're walking to the temple for the hour of prayer. They pass through this gate called the beautiful gate in Jerusalem. They see a man who's lying there who's been crippled, lame from the day he was born, never walked a day in his life. And the, the, Peter and John walk past him, and you know, the, you know the story. They look at him, they say, 
He says, can you give me some money? And Peter says, I don't have any money with me, but here's what I do have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he pulls him. And the guy starts walking. Why? Because Peter had been smeared. Peter had been smeared with the anointing of God. Peter had received from heaven the power of God to change people's lives. Isn't it amazing? Do you ever think about this? Peter did not pray for the man. Think about that. Because we pray little sissy pansy prayers. Can I, be, can I just be honest with you for just a second? We just do this kind of, you know, just, well, Lord, we just, as we see the birds today, we thank thee for your presence in our lives. And God, I just ask you to be with Brother Johnny while he struggles his way through the rest of his life. Amen. Right? Right? And if we're really good, we speak some King James English. We throw in some these and thous to sound extra holy. Peter didn't do any of that. What did he do? He said, such as I have, give I thee. Or in other words, what I have, you can have too. In Jesus' name, get up and walk. And he pulled him up. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. And we've been given this precious commodity called the anointing. I don't want to cheapen it by using the word commodity, but, it's, but it, you understand what I mean when I say that. We've been given this beautiful thing called the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the anointing of Christ to break the bondages and the yokes of sin and sickness and disease and torment off of people's lives. What would possess a a man to to kill his parents and kill officers and then kill himself? That, to me, is somebody that the gospel never got to his heart. It never got to him. The yoke had been on his life for who knows how long. And the enemy had manipulated him to the degree that he decided to take people's lives. And that's awful. And it ought to burden us. It ought, I mean, it ought to hit our hearts where we say, you know what, Lord, we've got a responsibility to reach this community and to reach people around us with the burden-destroying, yoke-removing power and anointing of God. I don't know about you. I, wanna, I want our church and the people of our church and of other churches to have such a deep impact in this community that situations like that don't ever happen again. I'm hungry for revival that influences our community to such a degree that we become the the most crime-free, most blessed area in the state of North Carolina. People are like, Lord, what in the world is going on up in Watauga County? What in the world is happening in the mountains? It's paradise up there. Come on. Come on. Amen. That's it. Glory to God. How are we going to get there? By being bold with the anointing. By being bold with the gifts that God has given us. By taking the things that he's put in our hands and serving him with it in our community. Amen. I've just, I don't want to say wrestled with it this whole week, but Ever since that day, I've been going to the Lord saying, Lord, this, is, this can't happen. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. We've got, we've got too much to do, Lord. We've got, listen, we've got something on the inside of us that, that heaven has given us that hell cannot stop. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail or withstand against the power of the church of Jesus Christ. Did you ever think of that? He didn't say the onslaught of of hell wouldn't prevail against the church. He said the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against the church. He didn't say the offensive tactics of the enemy won't prevail. He said the defensive mechanism of the, of the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against the church. The implication in that is that we're constantly a problem for the enemy. Not, that the, not the other way around. Most Christians live where the devil's constantly a problem in their life. Oh my God, he's at it again. Most of us live this way perpetually, where we're we're constantly trying to fight off the enemy. Oh, the enemy's after me again, Pastor. I had a lady come up to me one time. We finished preaching. Church was over. It was a glorious service. And this lady came up to me, and she was so well-meaning. She said, well, brother, pray for me. She said, the devil's alive and well. And I said, alive, yes. Well, no. The the defensive measures of the kingdom of darkness are no match for the onslaught of the church. Darkness is no match for light. When you go into a dark hallway in your home at nighttime and it's pitch black and you can't see anything, what do you do? You just turn on a light. And what happens when you turn on a light? Is there a power struggle? Does the, does the darkness and the light tangle up in the room? And it's a, and it's a guessing game. It's a, we're going to figure this out. Who's going to prevail? No. Darkness always gets dispelled by light. The gates of hell are no match for one anointed person who understands who they are in Christ. Do you understand that the devil is so weak that when you take authority over him in your home, he has to bow his knee. He has to bend. He cannot withstand the power and the anointing and the authority of Christ in your words. We've been anointed, church. We've been anointed by God to change this community. And I'm getting bolder about it every day. I say, Lord, you've got something you want to accomplish. You, you sent us here for a reason. We're not here just playing church. We're not here for just another gathering. Everybody's busy enough. We don't need one more thing to come to, right? It's not about us doing a religious activity. It's not about us, you know, checking off this box of social need in our life that I just, I need the, you know, I need the community of church. We do need community of church. But more than that, we've got an assignment to ruin hell. We've got, a, we've got an assignment to give the devil problems. Amen? I, I, I just feel like every day that I wake up these days, I'm like, Lord, how can I frustrate the enemy today? Who can I get saved today? Who can we see snatched out of the kingdom of darkness? How, who can we get healed this morning, Lord? Who can we minister to and see, the, see depression break off of them? Who, can we, who is 
things out there today, Lord, that you want me to impact and influence for your kingdom so that we can just see the kingdom of hell just wither. There's no victory for him, guys. It's the last lap, and he's in last place. The anointing was given to you and to me to destroy bondages, to destroy yokes, and to see people brought to liberty. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.